Welcome to Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, recorded live at the Arvada Chamber in Arvada, Colorado today. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get the job they really love. In addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book available. You can find How to Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon, or of course my website too. My guest today is Cami Welch with the Arvada Chamber, and I'll have her introduce herself in just a minute. But to let you know a little bit more about our show, our purpose is to explore and really redefine the world of work, especially for Gen X, Millennials, and those to come after as we seek positions of leadership that still allow us to be ourselves. So every show we explore a topic related to business or job searching, and of course, we're gonna talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top-rated career coaching service. We focus on the practical tools for your job search, including resumes, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, and ongoing classes. So check out our ridiculously long website, personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Dot com, or, you know, you can just Google it. Well, Cami, thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, our topic today is actually all about workforce readiness. And why don't you just tell me a little bit more about you and the chamber and what you're doing for workforce readiness and what that means. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be on with you today. So um, as you said, I'm the president of the Arvada Chamber. I've been here for almost five years now, almost 10 years in the chamber business. And one of the things we really believe in as an organization is understanding the needs of our business community. And for years and years, I've been hearing employers talk about how challenging it is for them to find employees, keep employees, and to find people that are workforce ready. And so with that, as a chamber, we've really sought out to come up with some solutions at a local level that can support both our employers and the suppliers, meaning our education system and our different partners at the community college level and whatnot, to support the growth of a pipeline around workforce. All right. That makes perfect sense. So um, what's the, the name of the program that you guys are doing? The program we launched is called Arvada Works, and it is actually a program that's under the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation's Mm -hmm. Talent Pipeline Management Academy, which essentially means that we're looking at workforce like a supply chain. And when you have a supply chain, you have an end user. And in this case, our end user is going to be the employer. And so what we're doing is we're asking employers to play a new expanded role as leaders in the workforce conversation. When you look at historic models, you drew this really hard line between when education ended and the employer's role began. And what we're recommending is that employers start to engage all the way down to career readiness and career awareness. And then our suppliers, meaning our education system, are engaging all the way up to employee retention, meaning that if you want to keep a good employee, you have to help them grow in their career. So what a better way than to offer up some continuing education or management training to help them to grow within your company. Right. So when a lot of times when people think about education and getting ready for careers, they're starting to think about things like college. But you're looking at things, not only college, possibly in the skilled trades and really the full base of jobs that are available, right? Right. So we're operating in what we call a career first mentality. And so 
You're right. College has always been kind of the thing that we're preparing this next generation for. But when you start to break down the data, it's a little bit alarming as to how many kids and you know adults even are going to get a four-year degree. So when you look at the numbers annually in Colorado, about 35,000 people are either not graduating from high school mm -hmm. and or not enrolling in post-secondary education. That's 35,000 people a year. That's and a then those that do go, many of them aren't completing. So that data of completion from post-secondary is somewhere between 30 and 40 percent, which tells me that we have an awesome opportunity to talk to this next generation about different opportunities within pathways as you mentioned we're looking at construction and trades there's some amazing opportunities out there we've got a local electrician who's willing to pay for somebody to get their journeyman's license while paying them to work there so essentially they'll be debt free and be making good money right out of high school so there's some amazing opportunities we just saw an article yeah. today that came out in the denver business journal from union pacific and they're yeah. offering what is it a twenty thousand dollar signing bonus and yeah. $60,000 starting pay yeah. for people to go into that line of work. It's absolutely incredible. The need is so high in those industries and there are people that are interested in it. But when we talk about this idea of different pathways, we deal with three issues. The first is stigma, right? So there's mm -hmm. some negative stigmas around certain types of careers, which we need to break down and be a little bit clearer in people's understanding of what those jobs are and what the salary potential is with them. The next thing is communication. We haven't done a good job on the industry side of explaining what is it that we need, what are the pathways to success, and how are we willing to be invested in that conversation? Mm -hmm. And then the third is system changes. Something's gotta give. We yeah. have to start changing our conversation around how we prepare people for what their future looks like and how we give them good exposure to those opportunities. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's, we actually saw some of this starting to happen even a few years ago, Excel Energy. And uh, just for a slate, if you're having to listen to this in the future, should podcasts exist in the future, we're looking at April 2018 now. And even a few years ago, the problem was at Excel Energy, a lot of their linemen and their skilled people there were retiring. And there was they're retiring into their 70s, not because they want to, but because there's no one there to take the positions. And they are starting at sixty to $80,000 a year. And that's maintaining the large electrical systems around here. And it's like, talk about a stable job. Electricity is not going away. The grid is always going to be there. Absolutely. And I think construction trades are some amazing opportunities. Healthcare is another yeah. industry we're looking at. We talked with some of our local healthcare professionals and they're saying that really what they need are people doing the EMS work. And that's a great pathway to get into nursing starting there and then working your way up. They're talking about needing EKG tech. So it's not all nurses and doctors. And so we mm -hmm. want people to start thinking creatively about what that career potential could be for them. We're also looking at a lot of STEM and manufacturing type of jobs, but also being very aware that as we talk about this, that economies can change, things can change. And so what we're really pushing our employers to do through this program is to have real conversations about what does this mean today? What is your demand right now in this moment when we've got a 2.9% unemployment rate? But then thinking long into the future of, are you going to become fully automated? 
and need less employees. Is that a path we want to be sending this next generation down or are there more um, high demand paths that would make more sense? And so part of this collaborative model that we're launching is pushing employers during good times and bad to be connected and having conversations around need so that can be better translated to that next generation and we can continue to have a robust pipeline of employees. Right. Right. And I know that you have a lot of focus right now with uh, like public education, so high schools and things like that. But one of the things that I'm seeing as a career coach, I get a lot of the Gen X people who are coming to me now and they're in their 40s or 50s and they're ready to do their next career change. And I'll have people they are like, I've done this same company for 20 years, the same job for 10 years. I don't have a degree. How am I supposed to compete? And there, there actually is a program out there to help people who are older, but it's been restricted. So are you familiar with the Workforce Investment Act? Uh, very little, yeah. Okay, so it's a federal program and it's been going on for a long time. So it's not something that's brand new. It's something that both parties uh, support, Democrats and Republicans together, because the idea is if you get your workforce better trained, and move them into better paying positions, they pay more taxes. So right. <laughs> it makes right. sense to support right. it. Well, workforce is a root cause issue. I mean, you can talk about homelessness, you can talk about transportation, all of it ultimately comes back to workforce. Mm -hmm. And it's a really fascinating kind of community assessment when you look at people's needs. If they have good paying jobs, there's a lot less government assistance and things that need to play out in that. So there's some huge implications behind that. Right. So there's bipartisan support for Absolutely. these kind of initiatives. Absolutely. Because it makes total sense. It does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're listening and want more information about the Workforce Investment Act, it's also known as WIA, W-A-I, uh, check with your local workforce center. Sometimes they're also referred to as the American Job Center. Uh, the one problem is it has gotten a bit more restrictive. So it used to be available to anyone if you could prove that this cert skill or certification, and it pays up to $5,000. So it's not like a college degree, but you could totally get a very usable certification. And um, they used to have it more open. Now it's they prefer people who have been displaced or laid off. They're kind of first in the line and people who are unemployed are first in the line. So, you know, unfortunately, as we turn into older adults, who gets to pay for the education piece? It's us individually. One of the interesting things as I talk to employers is a lot of them say that their best employees are people that maybe are making a career shift or have had other jobs before because mm -hmm. they understand that value of hard work and commitment. And so I wouldn't discourage people from seeking out new opportunities and doing informational interviews. And part of what we're trying to do in engaging employers is to say, are you open to doing job shadowing? Are you mm -hmm. open to doing informational interviews with people? Because part of this process is just finding that passion and then knowing if it's feasible for you to implement what skills may be missing so you can seek those out. Yeah, I think it was really interesting. I think it was last month that I came to one of the chamber breakfasts and uh, you had a number of different presentations and one of them was saying the soft skills that employers are requesting. And one of the top ones was excellent communication skills. Now among resume writers and career coaches, it's kind of a standing joke because it, and you will read stuff online that says, don't put excellent communication skills on your resume because this doesn't really mean anything. Right. But it, it's what I call a stupid keyword. You know, <laughs> but the problem is you have to have stupid keywords right. on your resume because computers are doing the screening. And if the HR is using that term, 
and it's not on your resume, you get cut. Mm -hmm. But the reality is employers need better communication skills, especially from some of our you know, younger millennials or Gen Z or whatever you're going to call coming up next. What does the excellent communication skills to you mean besides just words on a page? Oh, that's such a good question. And obviously it depends on the job, but I think that, and actually we did a survey of our employers asking them to rank their top essential skills is what we're calling them now. And so of course, communication is one of the big ones for them. But I think a lot of the subsets under that are working well with a team, right? Mm -hmm. Being part of that culture of the company that you're within. And a lot of that does trickle down to your ability to communicate and jive with those that are sharing that space with you. Mm -hmm. um, another piece of it is being able to deal with conflict resolution in the workplace. Things aren't always sunshine and rainbows. And so how do you address that conflict in a meaningful way so that it doesn't create more tension in the workplace? So that's a huge one for employers. And then another big one that pops up that's not necessarily under communication, but time management yeah. seems to be a big hot button for employers. So one of the things that's been of conversation is how do you prove these skills? Because like yeah. you said, it's all well and good to put it on the piece of paper, but how can employers and you come to that terms of saying, okay, we agree that that is you proving that you have good communication. So we're throwing around ideas like a badge system that could be implemented that you have to prove proficiency through certain mean means so that then the employer knows that you've done that and have those skills available. Maybe memes would help. Memes might help. <laughs> memes might help. I've always joked that we need to use more emojis in business, but we're not quite there yet, especially in my legislative work. I'm like, could we rank our bills using emojis? I think it would be awesome. Yeah. That's a little bit of the soft skills that we've been seeing. And I know in your program, you're encouraging businesses to bring on people so that they've got some time where they're sharing their time at school plus time at work. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? There's a lot of really incredible programs out there right now. And as you look at it, actually Jefferson County Schools is working on this awesome career continuum right now that addresses everything from when they're really young on up to when they should be getting that direct career exposure. So how do businesses become empowered to host interns, to host apprentices, to do job shadowing, on-site training? And what we found that's interesting in this conversation is that both parties need to come to terms with what that really means. Employers have to understand if I'm going to host somebody on site what kind of expectations should I have of them and what should they have of me and so part of the process we're going through right now is to come to terms on what that can look like because we really do believe that on-site exposure is going to be absolutely extraordinary in helping them to reach those goals there's a number of programs already out there doing that work career-wise has been doing fantastic work as it relates to apprenticeships here in Colorado the um, American Job Center, as you mentioned earlier, they do some amazing opportunities as it relates to career preparedness. And it is it's getting on site and having that exposure to those various careers that help people to be more prepared when it's time to go to work. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah, I actually have uh, three kids myself. They're all millennials. Yeah. yeah. The oldest uh, just turned 30 this year. No shock, right? <laughs> it's not true. Yeah. But uh, all three of them started college but did not finish. Mm. And uh, my daughter, Jasmine, who can sometimes co-host this show with me, is, she went in a very different direction. She's a professional piercer. Awesome. But, but my two sons um, took different paths. Mm -hmm. And I see my oldest son now falling into the same pattern that my husband is in. Mm. He took an office job to survive that he doesn't like, that's not his passion. And... Um, he's not sure where to go from here. 
Right. So having some exposure to different other kind of jobs, even when he was younger, mm -hmm. might have been really helpful. Absolutely. It has to be a very conscious process. And that's where we are is how do you kind of heighten the consciousness around this idea of career exposure? Because we're all creatures of our own perspectives, right? If my dad's an engineer and my mom's a nurse, those are going to be the professions that I'm most familiar with. Yeah. So whose job is it to make sure that we're actually giving ample exposure to these different careers? And I think that's where as a whole society, we need to all step up and say, we can be better. We can do more to support these conversations because the reality is when you ask kids, and we've done student focus groups, we've engaged in these conversations, we say, what does success look like? And they tell you, going to get a four-year degree. And then we ask the question of, so what does that mean to you? And they say, well, I was planning to do that. But the reality is that I don't know how I'm going to afford it. Because I was told there's going to be scholarships, and now I don't have the money to pay for it. And so then they're feeling disheartened by the fact that the career that they were told their whole life they should do it's not feasible for them to do it. And again, we're not advocating for not going to college because college is an amazing pathway, but we're advocating for a career first mentality, meaning that you think about what is the right career for you and then your education follows that instead of going to college to go to college. Right. So sometimes that means taking a gap year mm -hmm. and doing some exploratory work, going out and shadowing some jobs and really understanding what could this look like for you as a career pathway. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's interesting too that uh, just getting career counselors in the high schools more aware of the different career paths would be extremely helpful. I, I know when I was in high school, I had a career counselor ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I go, well, I would really love to be a disc jockey. I like specifically wanted to be a wacky morning DJ. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and he looked at me with a totally blank face and he goes, I have no idea how to make that happen. <laughs> That's also, I wanted to be a weather girl, so yeah, you know, <laughs> we all you know, have our things. <laughs> turns out you have to have a degree in communications. That's how you get there. Okay. But uh, I was actually a teenage mom, so I got pregnant my senior year, and I was married, mm -hmm. and I finished my high school. But my uh, husband was one year older than me, so he graduated before me. Mm -hmm. But he was a machinist. Mm -hmm. So he had been trained to be a machinist in high school. Awesome. And he got a job immediately upon his graduation which was enough to support a family with three kids. I believe that. You know, those are the kind of things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's no nothing wrong with that career path. It right. was full benefits and it supported a family. And right. I, I stayed at home with the kids for five yeah. years. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. But it's breaking down those stigmas so people understand. And part of this process, and again, in our focus groups, we've asked these questions of what does it mean to get from A to Z, right? Like if you mm -hmm. want to be a machinist, what does that look like? What's that education? What's the pay scale you start at? And how do you move up within your career if you were to go down that path? And so that's part of what we want to do a better job of communicating is that pathway to success. And you start here and you end here. And I don't care if you're going to be an engineer or you're going to go into construction. The conversation should be the same. And again, the industry side needs to step up and have those conversations so we can translate that information to counselors, to anybody that's working with people that are going into the workforce. And that should be public too. This isn't yeah. a secret. We're so sensitive about talking about how much money people make, but it's like we need to do a better job of communicating these opportunities so people can fill the jobs that are needed today and tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, you know, I was hired for a job in 2000 as an accountant slash HR person for about 30,000 a year. Do you know what those rates start at right now? 
It's about thirty-five to forty thousand. Yeah. It's eighteen yeah. years later. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's after you've gotten your degree. So, right. yeah, there's these types of jobs, like this ones with Union Pacific and Excel Energy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's enough to buy a house. It is, and they need people. They do. And if you're like working with your hands and being outside, I mean, there's such benefit there. But again, I go back to that Sigma conversation is for some reason, people think that isn't success, Mm -hmm. but it is. And so I don't know where that started, why that started, but we have to all be empowered to change that conversation. Otherwise, we're going to stay where we are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you very much. So now is the time in our show where we like to talk about tattoos now. You're a bit of an outlier, but I, I, I allowed you to, to come on the show anyways because you do not actually have a tattoo. I don't. But I've, I've dreamed of the tattoo I would get okay, if so, I got one. So what would you get? I would do an arrow because I believe that I want to always be moving forward. That's cool. So, would you get it in a particular location? Probably on my foot. I was going to say your face? No. Yeah, right, right. That might be weird. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe not. It might look cool. So, like, no, facial tattoos are not cool. No. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Not only my audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, tattoo artists of, of any reputation won't do a tattoo on your face until you're already pretty heavily tattooed. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Lots of regret there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just responsible. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things like um, a lot of Gen Ys now, when they start their tattoos, they do them on their forearms and their neck. My daughter, her first tattoo was on her neck. She knew she was going to be a tattooed freak from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Whereas us, when Gen X, when we started, even though it was like a real rebellious thing, our, all our tattoos were easily covered at first. Right. So now I could get a tattoo anywhere. I'm so heavily tattooed. All the artists are like, you can do anything do it. You're you cool. want. You're in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. I have approval. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Face tattoo is next for you. No, I might, I, might get a, I might get a barcode on the back of my neck. Nice. But, Be cool. But then you got to pick what UPC code would you use. I, right. wouldn't, I wouldn't want it for like frosted flakes or something. No, no. It has to be a very strategic barcode for sure. It's exactly. something very telling about you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. So, Cami, thank you very much thank for your you. time. Uh, if you ever want to get your tattoo done, I know some excellent artists here in All town right. that could help you out. Thanks, everybody. Tune in next time. We're going to actually be talking to Sean Kaiser with the Egg and I Restaurants, and we're going to be talking about knowing your numbers. Have a good day. <laughs>